This is Pastor Matt Harmless, and this is sermon number 38 from the Gospel according to Luke. This sermon covers Luke chapter 7, verses 18 to 23. This sermon was originally preached on September the 26th, I believe. I do apologize for the beginning and the overall sound quality in this one. We had a sound system issue. The microphone that is recording this is at the back of the sanctuary, and so it will sound a little bit odd, but I hope that it will still be a blessing to all of you that listen. Thank you. Isaiah 35, I'd like you to, as you're listening, listen for some Messiah sorts of things. Okay? He's looking ahead. For Isaiah, he's looking ahead in the future. This Messiah is coming. And I want you to listen for some things that this Messiah is going to do. Isaiah 35. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind. Here, this is a good one to jot down some examples. The eyes of the blind shall be opened. And the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunt of jackals where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes. And a highway shall be there. And it should be called the way of holiness. I'd like to go down that way, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they're fools, they shall not go astray. Let me read one more. Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, To grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Want to be an oak of righteousness? Walking on this way. Now, I want you to think, you jotted some things down. If you were looking ahead and you were basing what you read or your understanding on Isaiah, and you're looking, what, what are some things that you're looking forward to when the Messiah comes? This ought not to be hard because some of these things you're still looking forward to, right? Okay, so what are some things you're looking forward to with Christ coming that were listed in these, these passages? You're going to have some people who are going to be strong. They're not going to be afraid. What else? 
The blind are going to see what else? The lame are going to walk. What's that? Yeah, the deaf will hear. Let's get our, let's get the rest of those right. The deaf will hear. Mute will speak. The dead are going to be raised. What else? There's some other stuff there. Think about those things that have to do with the, the desert becoming a water. Right? Water. Like the, the land itself becomes something. Right? Anything else you see? Judgment. Oh, judgment coming. Vengeance coming. Some of those are like, man, I want that right now. You ever just stare at the TV and watch the news and say, come Lord Jesus? And what you mean is come with your justice and your truth. You ever think that? I mean, he's going to do it. He just said it. He's going to do this. So it's all these things that you're looking forward to the Messiah. Now, Isaiah, when he was looking ahead to the Messiah and he's writing these things, He's got, the, and I want you to think about it this way, okay? So he's looking down into the future. God is giving him a glimpse of what the Messiah is going to be like. And he's seeing all these things, right? Now, but wait a minute. Let me take a step back. For us, we see something different, don't we? We look at Jesus. When Jesus came the first time, what do you see? Blind can see. Lame are walking. I mean, was he doing all kinds of stuff like that? Good news to the poor. And we know what's coming. We're like, oh, man, I can't wait till that second coming. <clears throat> Vengeance, justice, setting everything straight, repairing this broken world that we live in. A new heaven, a new earth is coming. And so we look at it this way. We go, he did those things, and he's going to do these things. And we live in this time between those two things, don't we? Theologians call it the already and not yet. Already and not yet. It's already happening, but not yet happening. Does that make sense? Okay, so here's all these things and here are all these things. Isaiah, though, he doesn't see it this way. Isaiah wasn't living between. Where was he at? He was over here. And so what happens is a lot of times when you read the Old Testament, the prophecies looking forward about the coming Messiah, they read it like that and they're seeing all this stuff, right? And they don't understand that... Some of it's going to get to, there's going to be an already but not yet. And so Isaiah looks ahead and he sees, yes, the Messiah is coming, all these things. And he's looking at him, right? And he's seeing, he's seeing judgment coming, but he's also seeing the blind can see. And so he looks and he sees. Along comes the forerunner of the Messiah. Now, you guys have been with me through Luke. Who was that? John the Baptist, right? Let me give you a reminder of John. And I think you're going to hear about John and from John some of that stuff, okay, that he's looking forward to. You guys should remember this. This is Luke chapter 3. During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah in the wilderness, the word of God. You're going to see that the word of God came to him through the word of God. Isaiah specifically is one of those things that he hones in on. And he went to all the region around the Jordan proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet. This is about John. Where does it go? Isaiah, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. When this Lord is coming to do all these things... 
There's somebody going to come to say, let's get this ready. Let's set a path, that way of holiness, and let's get on it. And I have some references here, so that's a quote from Isaiah 40. It goes on, every valley shall be filled. You guys remember when I preached this the first time? Anybody here when I got to this? Every mountain and hill shall be made low, Isaiah 49. The crooked shall become straight. Some of you are reading this right now, and this is exactly what you want when you watch the news. Right? Rough places shall become level ways, and all flesh will see the salvation of God. And so then what does John say? Some of you remember this. So he knows God's coming. And so as he preaches, and he looks at those people that need to have their crooked ways set straight... Yes, he said, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized with him, you brood of vipers. Probably said that to the TV a few times, haven't you? You brood of vipers, who warns you to flee from the wrath to come? Besides coming, wrath is going to come. Who warned you? And then he preaches to them, bear fruits in keeping with repentance. Get on the holy way, is what he's saying. Do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now. Boy, I just feel this. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I feel John's preaching in our modern situation. I hope Jesus is coming back real soon. And there are some people that I would love to say to them. The axe is at the root of the tree. And that's how I, I picture the coming Messiah with the axe ready to swing on the root of the tree to bring this whole thing down. So John, as he looks at this coming Messiah that he knows is coming... And I believe that John knows his role. And I believe that John knows who it is because what was John's mom's name? Elizabeth. Elizabeth. And it was Elizabeth's, and I always got this, I got this wrong from it. Elizabeth's cousin was who? Mary. Okay, moms. If that had happened, and you had been there, and the baby in your womb left for joy, and you knew there was a purpose, you'd be telling your kid that from the day he was born. you got a purpose, my son. And this isn't just like a generic one. I, exact, I know what it is. Your second cousin wants from me. I don't know how that works. Jesus, your relative, was born of a virgin. He's the one that's coming. And so what does John do the first time he sees Jesus finally out and about, ministry-minded? I'm sure he probably saw him before then. The first time he sees him, he says, he's talking about it. He says, hey, you've heard me talk about the one to come? There he is. He points at it. Mm -hmm. That's the one. But John, did you hear in John? When John's looking through Isaiah and those Messiah things, did you notice a focus that John had? Was it? The healing of the blind, or 
the, the giving of the sight to the blind and the laying what Was it those things? Did you hear that coming from John? He, he was seeing all this stuff, and he's, I like this. He was living in a corrupt society. You know what that's like? And he's looking at all this going on. He's like, man, he's coming. I can't wait till he gets here, because you're going to get it. So John is looking and sees all these things about the Messiah. Even Christ, when he first came, preached this way. It says that he came to Nazareth, Luke, Luke chapter 4, came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up and read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, there's Isaiah again, he opened up the prophet Isaiah, was given to him, he unrolled the scroll, found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind. So you can see it's some, both things still. He sent me to do these things. Set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. The day of the Lord's favor is come. I have to ask one more time. How about you? Do you have any particularly Jesus things you want Jesus to be doing? could go around the room, but we might need a filter for some of us, or all of us. There's things that we long, I mean, we love all the, those good things that he did, right? We're, we're in the already night, and we're like, I love all that stuff that he did, but I'm looking at this stuff, too. It's been a long time since that stuff happened. I'm like looking way back there and going, yeah, I'm glad he did all this stuff. Everything is hinged on that. And ultimately, that suffering servant, not just the king, but the suffering servant. And we get that. He came. He saved. I'm so glad. Man, I'm looking over here going, I'm ready for this stuff any, any day now. Any day now. I'm ready for it. You ever look at the TV and ask this once, but declaring brood of vipers? You ever think to yourself or with others, the axe is laid at the root of the trees? You ever, are you ready for the way of holiness in a desert world that we live in? For the king to come? How about that rod of iron rule that's talked about in the Old Testament when the Messiah would come? Rescue. What rescue for the poor Christians in Afghanistan right now? How about rescue for the Christians in North Korea? How about rooting out fake and false religion in our country? How about stopping the ending of violence in our own town? And maybe you even wonder, in the depths of what feels like a dungeon of a, of a life, is he the one? He said he was. He did those things. 
now to our passage for today with that in mind. We're going to hear something about John the Baptist again. He's still around. Let's talk about where he's at when these things are going on, when Jesus has begun his ministry. Luke chapter 7, verse 18 says this. The disciples of John reported all these things to him. So John had disciples, and they're reporting to him. The reason why they're reporting to him, does anybody know where John is at? Where's John at when all these amazing things are happening? Prison. Herod locked him up. You know why Herod locked him up? Because John had the audacity to speak against the establishment and call out their corruption. And what happened? Guys, I'm so full of fire because I have to yell everything today. <laughs> he spoke against the corruption. <laughs> Amen, brother. Yeah. Hey, but that's what he did. Herod was a corrupt leader. Married his brother's wife. And John said, that's wrong. And Herod threw him in prison. And Herod, so John's sitting in prison, rotten. So John's disciples are telling him everything Jesus is doing. Jonathan said, that's the one. Axe is laying at the root of the trees. Here he comes. Oh, there he is. Going to get it now. And John, calling two of his disciples, said to him, right, bring him. They tell him. He sends him to the Lord, saying, this is the message from John in prison. The prophet, the forerunner of Christ. Are you the one who is to come? Or should we look for another? Does anybody else find that a fascinating question? Coming from John the Baptist. I don't know for sure, but one of my commentaries said that he, he may have been, there was a fortress, I think it's Masada, may have been where John was held. We don't know this. You may have a different version. I don't know. Masada, there's the Dead Sea. See the little arrow at the top? The fortress up there, middle of the desert. There's a picture of it today, the ruins of it. I think I have one more that's a little bit closer up. There's a dungeon beneath this fortress, these places where he was kept, possibly there. I imagine John sending his disciples from there, allowed to have visitors. Then he goes, asking this. Is he the one, or should we expect another? I mean, he had said he was the one. In Luke chapter 3, John answered all, saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming. Right? There's this one coming. He's mightier than me. The strap of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. I imagine John saying it that way. And then when he came, we know that John saw him. There he is. Now he's in prison. And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying this question again. Are you the one who is to come? Isaiah talked about. John has preached about. Are you the one? Or is there another that we should be looking for and waiting for? Listen carefully to how Jesus answers this question. You're going to find something interesting in here. Very important. In that hour, 
This is what Jesus does. This is Jesus' response to the question. Some actions and then a statement about those actions. In that hour, where those disciples could see it, the disciples of John, in that hour he healed many people of diseases. Mighty works. Don't overlook the grandeur of what's happening before their eyes. People with diseases walking up and him saying, be healed, and they walk away whole. Plagues, evil spirits, disease and demons. And on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. Throw that, think about the magnificence of that person who can't see. I, I think that would be one of the coolest miracles to watch happen. Because of the response. You can see, you can just picture those people suddenly. The disciples of John watch. Jesus shows them these things. By the way, are these all Messiah things from Isaiah? Yeah. And then he answers them. Jesus tells them, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight. Was that one of those things we mentioned? The lame walk. Was that one? Was that in there? Lepers are cleansed. It, we, with that, we've got a story of that in Luke. Remember the, the leper and Christ touched him? Remember that story? The deaf hear. And then from last week, the dead are raised. I think Luke made sure he made sure he threw that story in before he got to this story. And then this final one, and the poor have good news preached, proclaimed to them. Blind receive sight, the lame walk, lepers cleanse. Now before we get to verse 23, what is distinctly missing from Isaiah and John's preaching that would have been very significant to John? What's missing? You guys need help, I can tell. Let's go back. Back in Isaiah, let's see here. Messiah thing too? Now, when Jesus then said, Am I the are you the one? Yeah, here's my evidence for you. And he lists off Messiah evidence. But he didn't mention the one that may have been 
the one John really wanted to hear. Okay, before I go on, do you ever feel that way with your Messiah? There's things, you love that, but there's, there's some things you're like, those are great, but I want this. That's the one, because that's where I'm at right now. That's the one that I want. Back to Isaiah for a moment. Let me get back ahead. Let me jump ahead again. Isaiah, the Lord spoke thus to me with a strong hand upon me, warned me not to walk in the way of this people, saying, do not call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy. Well, that was kind of relevant for today, isn't it? Do not fear what they fear. We've got to be different, nor be in dread. But the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy, let him be your fear and let him be your dread and he will become a sanctuary safe place and a stone of offense and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem this Messiah that was coming another aspect of this Messiah is that for many of Israel, he wouldn't be what he they wanted. He would be something that would cause that would trip them up. And many shall stumble on it. They shall fall and be broken. They shall be snared and taken. John would have known this as well. That some would see the hope given to them, and it would cause them to stumble, stumble instead of stand. That's what we don't want to happen. So listen to what Christ says to John in message through his disciples back to him. He said, here's my evidence. And he ends with this note that is going to relate to what we're reading in Isaiah here. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. We were talking about this Wednesday night. Paul reminded me that word offended is the word scandalon. It's a word that can be used with a, an animal trap where they put the little stick in there and the animal steps on it and snares that animal up. That's what it's talking about. And John knows that some will be snared by this. And so Jesus... On his last statement, where John probably, when he was listening to his disciples, just imagine John hearing those disciples come back. Is he the one? Yeah, he said he was the one, and he gave some evidence. Oh, he gave evidence. What was it? This, this, we saw it. We saw it. He did it in front of us. We saw it. And can you imagine John listening to those things being listed off? And what's the one he's waiting to hear? Captives free. 
captive's free. He's wait, just waiting for it. Uh, they're going to get to it. I know they are because they accidentally the root of the tree. But instead, Jesus' message back to him is this. Blessed is the one who's not offended, tripped up by what they get. Jesus has come, and this is who he is. And Jesus tells John, blessed is the one who, who doesn't just stay. I'm going to tell you right, right now. So important. So many people walk away from the faith for exactly this reason. If you talk to people who have abandoned the faith, almost every time I've ever talked to somebody, the key element wasn't just they reasoned it out, but it's there was... This happened. This my grandma was sick, and, and we, we prayed, and then she died. And Jesus didn't do what I wanted him to do. I had this job, and it was starting to go sour. I'm like, Lord, let me keep this job because I love this job. And they lost the job. Is Jesus didn't do it? And so many people they go, I came to you, Lord, and I, I asked you to do this thing for me, and you didn't do it. And we know Jesus does those kinds of things, does he not? But this is a very clear statement that says Christ is going to work on his timetable and his agenda, not on ours. John didn't know. I don't think anybody did that already and not yet would last at least 2,000 years because we're not, not yet. Some of us are, we, we want this part real bad, don't you? Oh, real bad. Real bad. Turn your conference in the day over. Some of us are like, come on! Now, now, Jesus, come on! We want it now. Like John, I think Christ's response to you would be, I've done. He didn't even talk about this with John. He knows John knows that's coming. But what he says to John is, I've done this, and blessed is the one who, who what, what is revealed to them, they're not offended by this. Many Jews even today don't believe that the Messiah was Jesus. I think most of you know this. Many Jews do not believe that. They did not believe that. Many did. Most don't. Paul the Apostle talks about this extensively. In Romans 9, he actually says why. Because they did not pursue it by faith. But as if it were based on works. They have stumbled. You see that stumble? There it is again. Stumbled. Over the stumbling stone. As it is written. Behold, I'm, I'm laying in Zion a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. You know who that's talking about? Jesus. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame, will not be tripped up or ensnared. Jesus is not out of control. Is he at all with the things that are going on in our world, going, oops, how did I let that slip by? Has he done that once? I, I've, 
things get out of control. I, I know you've been in the classroom. There, there's some times I've been in the classroom as a teacher, and things start to go awry, and all of a sudden I'm like, this has gotten out of control. <laughs> I'm trying to rein it back in. Has Christ ever done that? Oh, 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 what's going on? You think he's up there right now going, oh man, I let this go too long. Absolutely not. And many of us, I think, are like John. And the one thing we cannot do, and John, John had some doubts, he had some questions. Are you, that's a, I, honestly, I believe that's okay to come to those things, right? Come to Christ with those things. But the one thing Jesus says, don't do. Don't be offended. Don't, don't get tripped up. And that's where people do go awry. Wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, don't get to the point where you go. Do you know anybody that's done that? With Christianity? With the church? With their faith? They knew it. They heard it. It wasn't playing out like they thought it was. Was supposed to, and what they do. You know what it looks like? Let's talk about what that looks like. It looks like little things like this thing goes like this. Right? What else does it look like? Sunday morning? I couldn't make it, but I'm not going to today. I could find a way, but no. I rather I need to sleep. You know what else it looks like? It looks like I've been guilty of this one. Griping. Now, we talked about this this morning. There, there's some measure of this that you can do, but in the body of Christ, what ought to happen when that starts happening? There ought to be that, those, those people around you go, let's, they, they remind you? Because we all get to that point. I'm not condoning griping, but I'm saying we get there, don't we? A hundred things just laying on you in one day, and you're ready to let it all out. I tell Paul, I meet with Paul on Friday. On Fridays, I tell him when we first sit down, I always say I need a couple minutes to decompress, and I just I just vomit my week out at him. Right? I need to share it. Don't get tripped up. Don't walk away. Christ is going to do exactly as he has planned to do since the beginning of time, and it will happen on his time. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness. Feels that way. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise. As some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. If you're ever wondering why is he taking so long, there's one answer right here. The Lord that we serve is a patient, patient God, and he wants all to turn the repentance to him. That day is going to come, Peter says, like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away. With a roar. Sometimes I read this passage to remind myself when I'm like, Lord, come quick. Sometimes it's a good passage for me to say, Well, 
a little longer, Lord. Because I know my mom has been witnessing to her neighbor, Susie. And longs to see her leave Buddhism and turn to Christ and salvation. Some of you have prodigal children. You long so when you, when you start doing it, come understand why is God delayed? It's right here. And let these images be vivid in your mind. The heavens, stuff there, is going to pass away with a roar. The heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. And the earth and the works that are done on it, all will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of, the, the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn? But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and new earth, which righteousness dwells. Let's be patient together. In the already and not yet. Waiting and hastening. I like that feel. You see that? Waiting and hastening. Come quick, but that's okay. I'm going to end with a passage from Psalm 118. And after I read this verse, I'm going to close in prayer. We're doing a song. Okay. Um, let me read the verse. And while I'm praying, you guys can pop up. There's a verse in Psalm 118 speaking about that coming Messiah. And I have to say, when you, when you take a step back, and I, I believe that John the Baptist did not lose his faith or anything of the sort. He had questions. He came to Christ. Are you the one? Yes. Don't be offended. Just don't do that. John, we know, is... Is he going to get out of prison in this life? Does he? He does not. But I believe as we look at this picture of Christ, and if you're not offended by how he is unfolding his plan, I think you can say what this psalmist said. The stone the builders rejected, those, those people that had that, they had the truth. They knew who Abraham was and Isaac and Jacob knew. The they rejected it. The stone that the builders rejected, and Christ, how was he rejected? What did that rejection look like? Cross. It's amazing because we look back at it every now and we know how essential that, ha that had to happen for our salvation. But that stone that the builders rejected has now become, when I got rejected by them, what did it become for us? The cornerstone of everything that we believe and love and live, everything was in that stone that got rejected is now the cornerstone. And I love this last part. This is the Lord's doing. And it is marvelous in our eyes. I guarantee when this day comes and we look back, there's not a one of us that's going to go, I would have done it differently. Not a one of us is going to go, I would have done it that way. I think we're going to look back and we're going to go, <clears throat> Marcus.
trust that when this does unfold, it will be exactly right at exactly the right time. So as we live these days, don't live it in impatience, but live it with absolute patience that the Lord is doing something marvelous. Let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you that we were able to work through this passage in spite of technological difficulties. I pray that through those things, the truth of who you are would reign supreme, that we would not be, even when we feel like we're in a dungeon and in despair, Lord, let us not be offended or tripped up or snared by how you're doing things. Let us hold on to all that you are and all that you've already done with hope of all that you will do and that it will happen at the right time. Lord, give us that strength to endure to the end. I pray and ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Stand with us.
time this morning, blessed words of the Bible. He who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed.